Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Dana and Parks on the way uh, about an hour from right now. Let's start with this news about Tyler Bass from the Bills. <laughs> it's a cute little story and, yeah. uh, you know... I'm happy we won the game, but I'm sure it stunk for him. And he got a lot of great. I mean, he, for those who missed that, he was the one that missed their field goal. Yeah, and he missed the field the goal at the right. end of the game that that could have conceivably t- uh, put the game into overtime. And since then, and this is the uncute part of the story, Tyler Bass has been receiving death threats. Yeah. He has taken down every bit of social media presence that he has because he just can't look at it right now. And frankly, I yeah. can't blame him. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on Dana and Parks yesterday. He missed a field goal. He's a field goal kicker. It's part of the game. That happens, right. you know? Yeah. It was a big kick, yes. It was a makeable kick, yes. But you know what? Put 100 guys from the stands out there and have them try it. So, I mean, people freaked out. And I think, I mean, a lot of that is probably involved in gambling. You know, people, I lost a million dollars because you missed that kick. Well, you know what, dummy? Don't gamble on football. <laughs> you know, I, It's a really easy way not to lose any money gambling. So um, it, that's where it started. But, you know, the Bills Mafia is not about to sit there and let that kind of thing go by and let it be ascribed to them, well, to us. So uh, Tyler Bass has a pet charity, and I say that, in two different fashions. It is a pet charity, but it's also his pet charity. And there has now been a massive effort to get donations to come in in his name to that charity. Yeah, uh, it's called the 10 Lives Club that he has worked with in the past. uh, And they started getting calls Monday with people wanting to donate 22 bucks in his honor. He wears number two. Um, and has spent all four of his seasons with the Bills. And so when those phone start phone calls started coming in, they put a message up on Facebook saying, we stand with him, don't bully our friend. We heard the news that he's getting threats. And if you want to support him, you can donate $22 to the 10 Lives Club in his name. And they said that, yeah, phones have been ringing off the hook from people who wanted to make that $22 donation. The last number that we heard came from Sports Center. They're now reporting that, that it's hit about $100,000. Are you, it's at $100,000? Because the story that I have from Yahoo Sports says it was 28000 as of this morning. As of this morning. So and yeah, that's it, climbed Colin, significantly yeah. today. Yeah, Colin it, just hit us up and let us know. Sports Center posted on Instagram saying the Chiefs and Bills fans donate over $100,000 since Sunday to a cat rescue charity involved with Bills kicker Tyler Bass. 
that's awesome. I mean, it's listen, worthy charity. All that money helps. Yeah. And the fact that it's coming in from here too. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that it's it's Chiefs fans and Bills fans alike who are getting together and saying, you know what, this is not what the game's about. This is not what the game's about. What the game is about is this kind of charitable effort. That's why the guys on the team do this. Yeah. Well, good for him. I can sit here happy as a Chiefs fan that he missed it and happy for his organization that they're making money out of him missing it. So and everybody can, wins. That's right. And I can make my $22 donation as soon as we're off the air. Can only do it once. Well, you <laughs> it's want, coming. Yes. Okay. Um, on a darker note, we have two stories in which teenagers or young people were killed in high-speed crashes. And in one of these wrecks, this kid was going 104 miles an hour. We'll get to that one coming up here in a sec. Uh, but we'll start with this one out of New York City. You have a 23-year-old, and there's video of this that was doing, this was in the Bronx out of New York, was doing a bunch of stunt driving. And it exactly what you think happened, what happened, happened. He lost yeah. control and hit a truck. He hit a dip in the road, and and when he did, like you said, he lost control, hit a truck. There was a 15-year-old girl that was in the car with him that was killed. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible wreck. And the thing that got me about this story, the wreck is bad enough, and people do stupid things in cars. Teenagers do even stupider things in cars. We know that, and it's it's a bad situation. But they described this as an area of the Bronx that has had an ongoing problem with exactly this kind of activity. Why? Why the Bronx or why why I mean, if, at all? Why at all? And, and why? I mean, what is it that makes one area ripe for this mm -hmm. where I mean, New York City is, is a pretty big, sprawling place. I don't think I'm opening any doors for people when I say that. So if they've got it narrowed down to this, why does it happen there? And why hasn't there been a massive police response to that and say, OK, you think you're going to do this kind of dangerous stuff on the streets of the Bronx? Guess what? No, you're not. I mean, the reason they choose to do it in power and light when they do it here is because yeah. it's the most disruptive. Right. You, you go. The reason they do it on the plaza, the reason that you have the motorcycles by the hundred that come through is because it's disruptive to people. You do yeah. it. It's an area where you have people that, that live. And so you can annoy them. And there are businesses there. And it looks oh. better on video. Right. All in the name the of everybody. Look at me. Yeah. 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 Um, in this case, it was 3.30 in the morning. Uh, the owner of the truck that was hit said the driver had been trying to pull stunts but didn't account for the slight slump in the road, and that's when he lost control, which, which makes me think he had never been in that he was new to doing it on that road. Yeah. And there was salt on the road, and that was part of what made him lose control and hit that truck. Uh, Chrysler 300? Is yeah, that big, big sedan. Okay. Um, so that's what he was driving. Yeah, you had a 15-year-old girl that was killed. And I don't have the age of the other person. Um, 15 and 21. 21 year old in the front seat, 15 year old in the back seat. And when you look at this car, uh, I mean, the frame how, is intact. Yeah. How did the driver live, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did a front seat passenger and a back seat passenger die and the driver and the driver lived? It was unbelievable. Um, has he been charged? I'm looking for charges against him. He's probably still in the hospital. Cops have not made any arrests yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. In stable condition at Harlem Hospital there. Yeah. They said it's nothing new. It was a second crash like this in a week. Pretty normal for them to race and do donuts over there, especially on the weekends and at midnight. Yeah. And they see it all the time. Well, you know, New York City Police Department. Now you know where you need to be.
Yeah, absolutely. Then we go to Johnston County, North Carolina for this one. Um, so you have a Kia Soul, 2.40 in the morning, traveling north on I-95, and a state trooper noticed the car is speeding and clocked it going 104 miles an hour. We talk about some of these rules for pursuit and when you pursue and when you don't. The trooper couldn't catch the car tried and couldn't catch up to him and so did not initiate a traffic stop or a pursuit because he lost view of it driver tries to get off the exit and ends up crashing into several trees near the exit ramp yeah and this is not terribly far away from raleigh north carolina so mm -hmm. if you were wondering about the geography of it that's that's where it is but it is kind of out in the boonies a little bit as well driver identified as 17 year old alan lee lockamy of archer ridge north carolina and uh, his grandmother said he was a student in at, at Smithfield Selma High School in the area. Uh, also uh, d uh, dying in the crash, another 17 year, two other 17 year olds and a 16 year old. Yeah, they said he wasn't supposed to be out. The 17 year old driver, um, that was when grandma said he wasn't supposed to be out. The last thing I told him before he went to bed or before I went to bed, she said was, I love you, don't leave the house. Which makes me think he had left the house before. She said he didn't listen very well and yeah. at some point snuck out. And, 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 you know, was weather a factor in this one as well? Could be. I mean, they've had all across mm -hmm. Tennessee and North Carolina, they've had, you know, nasty weather over the last little bit like we all have. I don't know that it's been freezing there as much as it has here, but either way, it doesn't matter. If you've got rain falling and you're going 104 miles an hour, you don't know what you're doing because you're 17. Again, recipe for disaster. And we got one four people died in that crash i don't know what you need to do i don't know how you keep kids from getting out like that and how you teach them about safety and not going 104 miles an hour speed limit on i-95 is probably 70. it's certainly not it's 70 either, on the ramp yeah it's either 70 or 75 yeah yeah i don't know what you have to do for that one uh if you have thoughts 913-586-7798 uh speaking of doing stunts and racing. We have a lawsuit to talk about over a racetrack. We'll get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Talking a little bit about racing and stunt driving. So we go to this next story out of thedrive.com. Yeah, see if this starts to sound familiar. You have a raceway that when it was built was out in the middle of nowhere. Laguna Seca Raceway, which if you're really into open wheel racing, you probably know the name. And, and when it was built in 1957, it was out in the boonies in California. This is Northern California, kind of in the Carmel area, uh, south of San Jose. So it was out in the hills, nobody around, no problem. People drive down from San Jose and San Francisco and Oakland to go see the races. And then over time, urban sprawl being what it is, all of a sudden you have neighbors, rich ones who come in and they build a country club. And then they build houses and they build suburbs and they build subdivisions and they build all of this stuff around the raceway. And now they're complaining about the noise and they want it shut down. All right. So they already have some restrictions. Mm -hmm. uh, the track doesn't allow cars that are too loud. So they can't be more than 105 decibels. Right. And they're limited to the number of days a year they can have events. And, that's and how where many the, of those have to be under a certain um, attendance level? Right. And that's where the story starts to get really tricky because what the, the people who are, and you know, it's not like we've never heard about something like this happening before, right? <laughs> you know, there's a reason why there's not a lot of racing at KCIR. So, uh, 
they, they, yeah, they, they cut it down to 35 days a year where there can be official events sanctioned because the county owns the land. So sanctioned by the county and sanctioned by whatever organization we're talking about, whether it's open wheel or stock cars or whatever. So that's down to 35 days a year. But the, the racetrack, the owners of the track can rent the track out for other events that don't count toward that 35 days. Uh-huh. So there are more things and they don't control that. So the rules that they have in place about decibel levels for the cars and all of that, they don't count if it's an event that you or I would rent out the track for. So the people are saying, well, it's not really 35 days a year and it's noisier than they say it is for these other events. So the first thing they want to do is shut down the ability for the track to be able to rent itself out at all. So they're trying to squeeze off the money supply by disallowing the rentals. Then what they're doing is they're trying to say, well, we think that the track is an environmental hazard because you're burning a lot of fuel, you're dumping a lot of fuel, you have high arsenic levels in the water, although they didn't give any kind of scientific testing of any of that stuff that's been done. None of that's in the lawsuit, but they're just assuming that it is. So because you're an environmental hazard, you're going to have to shut down. And the track is saying, uh, you guys don't care about the environment. (laughs) You care about quiet at your precious little country club. And that's why you want it shut down. It should also be noted here for the record that they have a neighbor who sits in between the racetrack and the subdivision where the country club is. Okay. It's a gun club. (laughs) I should laugh, but that's... That's open all the time. And curiously, the country club folks who want the raceway shut down don't want to shut down the gun club. Is the racetrack making the point that if you're going to shut us down, you should shut down the gun club? No, but the folks at the drive certainly are. <laughs> and, you yeah, know, I would be like, too. Wait, wait a minute. Why Why is this noisy nuisance okay with you? Oh, because you like to go there and shoot your guns. Right, okay. But you don't want us out having fun racing. And by the way, we mentioned that track's been there since 1957. It's been 57 years. or uh, No, more than that. That'd be 67 years since this track opened up. Um, wh- why is this a problem now? Oh, because the country club folks moved in. Okay, so that was my that was my question about why now, if it's been there for so long. Because it sounds like the kind of thing where, frankly, it's very similar to the pickleball complaints yep. to me. Like, you should have, who, who was there first? Right. But, and right. now, it, but the racetrack was there first. If you don't like racetrack noise, don't build your house next to a racetrack. Yeah. Yeah, and then expect the racetrack to change for you. Yep. And I also have questions about zoning then, that they were able to build houses as close as they were. But well, and and they're they're kind of trying to make the case that when the track was built in 1957, there weren't as many zoning restrictions in California at that point. So they got away with it because they were out in the middle of nowhere. They were out in the boonies. Well, the boonies aren't the boonies anymore. But again, that's not their fault. So they clearly had clearance to build the raceway in 1957. Zoning laws that came along afterward should not affect them. They should be grandfathered in. Yeah, I mean, don't. 
it's one of the things that you look at when you decide where you're going to live. If it's near the interstate, you know there's going to be interstate noise. Yep. I live on the plaza. I acknowledge that I'm going to have people jamming their music and yelling at 2 <laughs> o'clock in the morning when the bars let out. Right. I also get the benefits of being where I am. Same thing. There's a reason why your house was cheap or whatever it was, and, and that's why you bought it there. Yeah, you know, and, and they've already given concessions. That's the other part about this that, that's galling, yeah. is that they've already done some things to try to keep the neighbors happy, and it just keeps going and going and going. You give them an inch and they want to take a mile. The interstate example is a great one because some of the concessions that you'll see, uh, if if a subdivision or a suburb builds itself up around an interstate, then all of a sudden you'll start to see signs in that area that say no engine braking. And that's uh -huh. for the big semis, because when they hit that Jake break, it's loud. And mm -hmm. that sound carries. So they'll say, okay, you can still drive your truck through here, but you can't use the Jake break. Uh, yeah, they also lower speed limits yes. sometimes just to reduce some of that noise. You'll often see, I mean, it happens here, that for the section of interstate that goes through the city or goes near a neighborhood, reduce speed limit. Yep. You can't control the volume of cars necessarily. There's only so much you can do about that, but that would help with the noise too. Right. Who's right? 913-586-7798 while we have a couple of minutes here. Who who should have to change? The people should, again, it feels very pickleball to me. Should the people move <laughs> or should the racetrack, like you said, they've already, at some point the racetrack is going to say, listen, now you're inhibiting our ability to make money. You know, like we'll, we'll play nice with the neighbors and we'll do some things to keep you happy, but we're done. Yeah. And I don't blame and them. And, and the text line's all over this with, yeah, I mean, how many references to KCIR? We, we, we referenced it here a couple of minutes ago, but yeah, you look down the text line right now and it's like, yeah, we've been through this. KCIR, same thing happened. And you're right. Now, that doesn't bode well for the folks who run Laguna Seca Raceway because, I mean, if we can look at KCR as, KCIR as the example of that, then yeah, they're probably going to lose this, that this fight will go on because we're talking about people who have money and yeah. people who have money have power. So, yeah, my guess is going to be here that we're going to see another legendary racetrack fall by the wayside because people moved around it, and, and they should have known. They knew what they were getting into, and then, no, you have to bend to my will. Hate it. Hate it. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Gavin has called us first out of KC. Hey, Gavin. Hey, guys. So Valley Speedway down there in Green Valley has been having the same issues for years. Because they've been there, they were there long before any of the housing developments or anything else were there, and they've been fighting for years to the point where they have to shut down before midnight on race nights, regardless of whether they're done racing or not. Yeah. And right. Again, like you said earlier, KCIR got shut down because people moved around it and then started complaining. Yeah. You guys I, know it's there. It's been there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not a secret. You know, it's they didn't hide it. Thing. It's just like yep. moving by the airport. And yeah. then people complaining, oh, well, there's too much jet noise. You guys need to, need to limit flights. <laughs> the FAA is going to laugh at them. Yeah, railroad tracks are the other thing that have been a, a, right. a big topic of debate here. People that live near railroad crossings and don't like the noise. Yeah. Gavin, thank you. Yeah, it's and it does. It happens all over the place. I mean, he brought up Grain Valley. I didn't even know that example, but I, you know, Actually, I did. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even a year ago that there was a story about that, about some of the other restrictions that people were asking for there. And it just it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this will be an interesting one to see how this plays out. Where does this stand then? Oh, so the lawsuit. 
they're, they're lawsuit, being sued. Yeah, it's okay. and it's yeah, it's not a lawsuit seeking any money or any damages. It's a legal action to try to make them shut down. Try to make them shut down, not not new restrictions. They want them to shut down. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Then we will certainly follow that one as well. All right, coming up, uh, we mentioned this earlier that uh, yesterday afternoon, a little after this time, was when the Jackson County Legislature decided to override the veto, let voters decide in April on that three-eight-cent sales tax extension. Sean Smith, one of the votes that flip sides. We'll get to that conversation next here on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We were looking forward to the vote yesterday afternoon, Jackson County Legislature, and uh, they went ahead and decided to override the veto of Frank White and a special guest with us on the line to talk more about it. That's right. Jackson County Legislator Sean Smith, kind enough to join us again. Sean, welcome back. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And it was just a few days ago that we were right here on the same very program at just about the same time of the morning, I think. And you were explaining why you were supporting Frank White's veto effort, even though you didn't necessarily support wanting to see the teams go away. You thought that he had some good points and were planning on voting to uphold the veto. You changed that vote over the course of the weekend. Tell us why. Well, the short answer is that uh, what I indicated was that the teams needed to signed on the dotted line with uh, some of the general uh, concessions that they had already made. They'd made those concessions verbally to us as well as in the media. And uh, I wasn't satisfied with just that level of commitment. I needed them to sign on the bottom line uh, to, to make sure that those commitments were, you know, properly documented and, and committed to. And they did that. Okay. So the obvious question is what exactly did they commit to? Yeah. So the big things uh, that have been, already publicized uh, are that we'll no longer be contributing a three and a half million dollar amount of money from our park fund to the stadiums. We've been doing that since 2006, as well as the teams picking up the cost of insurance with um, the stadiums. That's uh, combined hundreds of millions of dollars over the next 40 years. Um, Those are big financial contributions. There was also some things that are kind of technical from a legal perspective, but uh, under a certain set of circumstances, you could have seen the Royals consider themselves to be released from the existing lease, uh, for example, if the tax didn't pass. 
So um, we made sure that it was documented that this is requested by them, and um, if this tax doesn't pass, that that doesn't relieve them of their obligations under the existing lease. So th- that's all that would happen. If the 38 cents sales tax extension does not pass, the Royals would just have to stay in Kauffman Stadium through the end of their lease. Do we know what would happen after that? Uh, that's we, we They would have to start to plan for that, as would we. I suspect that it would maybe result in an extension. Um, it's clear what the teams want. The teams, you know, would like to have two separate facilities, and the Royals specifically want to be downtown. Um, if the voters say no to this proposal, um, it is really hard to predict exactly what will play out. But um, I think the first step is for people to get to the polls and express their opinion about the downtown move. I got to tell you, I don't feel like that is the first step. Um, as a Jackson County voter, I sit here really still not knowing what I am voting on. I mean, I know that I'm voting on the extension of the sales tax, but I feel like I still don't know where that money is going. I feel like the first step is for a lot of education to happen to voters from the county and from the teams. So you're you're absolutely right. I guess uh, when I said first step, I was talking in the long process of sure. of uh, figuring out what the future is going to be for the teams. But um, yeah, the Still a lot of information that needs to be disclosed to the public. Um, right now, the term sheet or the letter of intent that they signed, um, as far as I know, is still under confidentiality. So we're not fully releasing it yet. Some of the key things that they've talked about in the media, we can talk about. But the big one everybody has to know before any vote can take place is the location that the Royals want to be. Um, they're not quite ready to disclose that yet, but I, you know, they've said February 29th. I think it's in their best interest to get it disclosed as soon as possible, which means locking in the agreements that they need to lock in for the real estate. Well, right. And and let's point out that they first said the beginning of September. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, now they're saying February 29th, but, and, and that was exactly where I was going is that, you know, I'm not talking, I'm not trying to talk you out of this. The votes already happened anyway, and I don't want to talk you out of your support if there is support and we'll get to that in a second, but does it still bother you? Does it give you a lot of pause? The fact that we don't know where the site is. Um, it's, it wouldn't be my first choice uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I understand the position the teams are in and feel like uh, it, it, it's a certain way to get to know if they don't have an answer uh, before the end of February. And by no, I mean, I, I think the voters will probably, probably, almost for certain reject any move that that doesn't have a specified location in time for the vote. Sean, has a site been picked? Uh, No, I don't think so. The two that you've heard in the media are the same two that they keep talking to us about. So let me just ask then, what's the holdup? Why is a site, if, if, I mean, if you're right, I assume you're right. Why hasn't a site been chosen, but it will be by leap day? Yeah, I've, I've got to believe that it is, um, just finalizing contracts on the property acquisition. I think they're close, but I think they have to uh, make sure that to stay in a decent negotiating position, they don't let either party know exactly what their preference is. <laughs> and that's just, <laughs> and so I the mean, team, yeah, what's funny, the team will buy this land and then they will gift it to the county. Uh, and, and then the county, of course, will contribute money to help build the stadium, but so will, so will the teams. Um, so, you know, they have to acquire that land. And, you know, if you're one of those landowners, you're probably trying to get as much money for it as you can. And as soon as things become certain, I think that that weakens the team's negotiating position, costs more money. 
you know, that's an interesting point you just brought up, and I wasn't aware of that. So it, it, they, they would gift the land back to the county in exchange for money to build the stadium, for some of the money to build the stadium. Does that mean that 40 years from now, when they move out to some other stadium, that they knock that place flat, that that land then goes back to the county ownership, or it remains in county ownership? Um, I I will just say I assume that. I haven't thought that for, far forward, but I, I think it's important that we – look at that my understanding is legally it would have to but uh i'm not a lawyer i that's a great question actually so gotcha i'll find that out um thank you and and so in the meantime as i said before support if there is any for you for the 38 cent sales tax uh extension let's go to that now you've said okay the voters can have their say are you a supporter of that extension uh not yet i've got to know the location got to see the teams step up and really get the community benefits agreement as well as the, the lease terms agreed to and finalized. Um, I know that's not the position we'd like to be in, uh, but but that's that's where we are. I, I'm I'm happy to say that just, just like I did last Thursday, I think it was that I was on your show, maybe it was Friday, and I said, if the teams do these things, then I'm supportive. Um, same thing for my vote, and I hope everybody in the public's vote. If the teams want your vote, they need to do certain things. That's disclose the location, share how the money is going to be spent, share what other sources of money are expected, uh, and and be in a position where the terms that are favorable to the county and the taxpayer are firm and agreed to. I assume, because we are at this point, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that, that when we say pick a location, you are talking about pick a location between the ones in Jackson County that have been discussed. That's correct. The um, letter of intent clearly says that uh, the team is committed to staying in Jackson County at one of the two sites. Uh, do you have a preference so, on which site do you want to see? Um, you know, I, there's there's advantages to both. I guess the site that's the Kansas City Star Building uh, certainly seems like it has a lot of benefits, but it also displaces a lot more people. So I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence, to be honest with you. All right, so tell us about the next steps in between now and February 29th when ostensibly they're going to make some kind of an announcement. What's the job of the county in between now and then, and what's the job of the teams? Yeah, so for the county it's uh, and the Jackson County Sports Complex Authority, it's predominantly um, getting the terms of the leases ironed out, being ready with those presuming voter support. Um, for the teams, it's that, plus uh, they've committed to doing a community benefits agreement, which means – um, meeting with organizations that help re- represent community members and coming to terms on that. Uh, plus, the teams have to deal, or the Royals have to deal with land acquisition plans, et cetera. And I think for the Chiefs, um, the voters will really want to know what their plans are for the stadium for the next 25 years. They've been largely silent. I think that's okay to get us to this point. The t- conversation's been mostly about the Royals, but I think it's critical for voters to know what the Chiefs want to do with the complex in more detail than they've disclosed so far. Uh, Somebody just asked on the text line a really good question, and I don't know if this would happen the next nine weeks that we're talking about, but what if the teams buy the land, because they're going to make this announcement by the end of February, what if the teams buy the land and the vote doesn't pass? So I, I think of a couple possibilities. One is they would own a lot of land, and they could continue to try to get the voters to you know, approve something in the future or find other sources of funding. The other thing that might be the case is that 
the purchases might be contingent, so I don't know if they're actually going to finalize those land acquisitions or if the land acquisitions would be contracts that would be contingent on a successful vote. Now, one of your fellows on the uh, on the, uh, the the board who was also a no vote and switched has <clears throat> since said that it was part of what made him switch his vote was public opinion, that he was hearing from constituents saying, no, I want to have my say on this, put this on the ballot. Talk a little bit about that and what you've heard from the voters in Jackson County, specifically your voters in Jackson County, on this issue since last late last week. Yeah. Fairly split. So I'm, I'm a part of a group, um, Facebook group and advocacy group that really our, our first choice would be to have the Royals remain at Kaufman. That group, um, I think, saw my switch negatively, and they didn't want this to be on the ballot. Um, that's still my position. I'd still love to find a way to encourage the Royals to stay at Kaufman. Uh, obviously, that's you know a long shot, but I'm all about long shots. Um, the, the remainder was really we want to vote. Um, it really, for me, uh, the surge of those communications really started over the weekend. And by that point, my position was clear, and that was if the teams would put in writing and sign for the things they had promised, then I was okay overturning the veto. And if they didn't, then I was okay upholding the veto. Are there plans then between now and the vote in April for a press conference, public meetings, public information campaign. There's there's a lot that voters don't know that would be necessary for them to know before April. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know of any specific plans on the county side. Well, to be honest, I don't know of specific plans on the county or the team side. I know that those activities have to get wound up. I'm going to do some town halls once I'm authorized, I guess you'd say, to disclose the terms that are in the LOI because I want people's opinions I want them to be able to voice, you know, where they stand. Um, and, uh, you know, during the lease negotiations, knowing and crowdsourcing, I'll say, any other important factors that we maybe haven't thought of, I think is is good open governance. And the rest of us can just wait until we don't have to talk about this anymore. <laughs> it will be a wonderful day. <laughs> Sean Smith, Jackson County Legislator, looking forward to seeing all of these machinations happen over the next couple of months. Good luck to you. And thank you again for being with us and giving us some more information on the program. You bet. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Sean. We appreciate it. We'll take a break. We'll wrap the hour next on KMBZ. Billy Joel. This is a song I do not know of Billy Joel's or don't recognize yet. Colin's looking nope, at me I got like nothing. I just ate a turtle. What's, <laughs> <laughs> which one is this? Stormfront. Off I don't the know this one. Album Stormfront. Huh. Uh, my only request is that we not play River of Dreams because that's the Billy Joel song that makes me want to throw things. But um, this will work. Um, Billy Joel is coming out with new music. I learned today that Billy Joel is on TikTok, which shocks me, <laughs> but he is 74 years old and he's got a TikTok channel and he used it to announce the release of Turn the Lights Back On. Uh, it is coming out on streaming services February 1st and will be released on limited edition seven inch vinyl as well. Oh, cool. So he's actually going to put out a single. That's awesome. Yeah, an actual um, single. Cause he can't put out a whole album. That would be, that would be a lot. Here's, can't do here's, that. No, that's true. Yeah, well, well, and who knows? I mean, he may. I'm sure he's got plenty of music stored up over the last 17 years that we just have never heard because he's never released anything. But um, yeah, there may be enough in there to put an album together. I'm I'm intrigued by the title, mm -hmm. and my only trepidation with this is several bands that I really like 
have done this, where they will come out after a period of 10 or 20 or sometimes even 30 years with a brand new song that's all about, I'm an old musician now. (laughs) Uh And they're terrible. I mean, every single one of them has been absolutely awful. So... I mean, if I have faith in anybody to pull off another hit after 17 years, it's Billy Joel, but I've got reservations. I am excited about this purely because I'm a really big Billy Joel fan. I love anything on the piano. And I'm amused at somebody who, I I know there have been others, like All My Life was the single that he put out in 2007. That was the last time he put out a single. Um, That was before I even lived here yet. And he's done some other cover songs, but really River of Dreams in 1993 was the last time he put out a pop record. And I mean, I was in high school. Yeah, we're talking 31 years ago. Yeah. And and if you go back to his heyday with 52nd Street and The Stranger and all of that, we're talking about that. That was late 1970s. So it's been a little bit. But But he sells out Madison Square Garden playing all the old stuff. And he's an incredible writer and an incredible musician. So if anybody can pull it off, like I said, I, I think it's Billy Joel, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm very curious to find out because he still does that. He still does. He's got a, a residency at Madison Square Garden and still does one show a month. Do you have a favorite? Yes, um, is, I have two. Uh, okay. I like Matter of Trust Okay, is my favorite because I like how it begins. It's just mm-hmm. got a really bold beginning. And I like New York State of Mind. I remember where I was the first time. I, weirdly, I remember the first time that I listened to Uptown Girl over and over and over on an airplane when I was a kid yeah. to Phoenix. For some reason, I remember that really well. Um, and Longest Time, I have used as a lullaby, weirdly, when I've had to like <laughs> sing to my friend's kids because it's just got such an easy melody to hum. Right. So, yeah, those are the four. that. But I could listen to them all. I mean, Vienna, I, I could listen to them all. Yeah, Vienna's one of mine, and Rosalinda's Eyes is another one. Uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. That's, I mean, yeah. That should that, have been my number one, obviously. But That's an utter classic. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Rosalinda's Eyes is one that it got some airplay. Uh, and I'm trying to remember. I, I think that was on The Stranger, but I'm not positive. It was in that era. And, and I always thought, what an absolutely strong piece of music that is. It should have gotten more recognition than it did. Yeah. Um, and some of you were texting about if there are other art and John, you would probably know this off the top of your head, but other artists that still sell out stadiums like that, having not put out any hits. I mean, it's been since the mid nineties that he's had hits. Yeah. I mean, the only one that I can think of is the one that he toured with forever and ever and ever Elton John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and no, he's, and he has since retired. He's off the road now. Uh, Billy Joel has a little girl, if I'm not mistaken. He's remarried third time, I think, fourth maybe. <laughs> um, but he's got like he he talks now about being an old dad for the yeah. first time again, and that that kind of keeps him keeps him busy. So exciting, cool. February first is the date uh, again that that is released. We have a bunch of stories that we'll have to hold off until uh, tomorrow. But let's talk about these skiers and snowboarders in Vermont. Yeah, we have a couple of these like this today. And, and we need to have some kind of a rule because every time one of these stories comes up, I think, oh, really? Again, that's a little on the nose that you're not allowed to do anything dangerous in a town that's named kill or blood or death or mm-hmm. anything like that. Because, yeah, these 23 skiers and snowboarders had to be rescued. This is all Saturday. OK, so if, if you're thinking over time, no, 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 this was Saturday. They all got lost. The weather got bad and visibility went down. 
they were five miles away from Killington, Vermont. So really? You want to go snowboarding in Killington? Uh-huh. How about you don't do that? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they got lost in the backcountry. Uh, search and rescue teams had to bring them all. They got lost. They were notified at 2.30 p.m., I have no point of reference for this town. 40 miles southwest of Mount Pelier. That doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Mount Pelier is <laughs> relatively central, I think, if I remember right. But, uh, yeah, it's it's in the, the southern half of Vermont. But, really, I mean, Vermont's not that big. So you're not going to no. see a lot of difference from one place to another. But, uh, yeah, and they said t- temperatures went down into the single digits. So they figured that anybody who was lost out there, if they didn't go rescue them, they were all going to die. Uh, hours before the incident, police had posted a notice on social media telling people to stay indoors. Getting lost or injured in the backcountry could become tragic, they said. Uh-huh. That's and when usually they went and the rescued case. them, they waved their finger and said, told you so. Right. And they went out anyway against the advice of, yeah, as a matter of fact, if you look at Killington, Vermont is almost dead center of the state. Burlington's the only town in Vermont that I've spent time in on Lake Champlain. I love yeah. Lake Champlain. That's beautiful. So if you travel south out of Burlington on State Road 7, actually that's U.S. Highway 7 out of uh, out of Burlington, you're looking at 25 miles? Okay. Uh, yeah, I would assume it doesn't take much to be in the backcountry no. of Vermont. It's mostly uh, backcountry. Are they getting rain up there too? Is that going to be, we keep talking about the Northeast getting oh, a ton of yeah. rain. You know, I haven't checked the forecast. It wouldn't surprise me because, yeah, like you said, the that entire area is just getting wave after wave after wave of it coming down out of Canada. Yeah, well, again, we're going to be in the 50s and 60s next week. It's weird that we're doing this wild spring-like swing. Um, but nonetheless, that is where we are. That does it uh, for this Tuesday. Again, just a weird day weather-wise. So we'll uh, give this over to Dana Parks and rejoin you Wednesday here in KMBZ. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.